0: The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptismokopani.com. First John chapter two, from verse eighteen through twenty-seven—a rather large portion for us in such a short letter. But trust me, I believe it's necessary for us to look at it collectively. I know many preachers in the past have divided up these sections and. Uh, kind of went into detail with every single bit that's been revealed. And I want to say just this morning, as we look at the theme of the assurance of Antichrists, that I'm not going to use this morning as an opportunity or an occasion to discuss the Antichrist. That we leave for our Bible study in Revelation. So, if you want more on that, you better be praying hard for the preparation in the Bible study in Revelation. This morning we're dealing with a text that we are presented with in John's letter. Remember, this is not John's Gospel. John did write a Gospel, but he also wrote uh, four other letters, of which three are titled 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and the other, um, the book of Revelation. Now, coming to our portion, what we've seen thus far in this epistle is John encouraging us. And he's exhorted us, but he has also warned us. And this morning we get to one of those warning passages yet again. You see, John's intent was for the church to be focused on the truth, to be focused on the gospel, to be focused on. Christ because collectively it is the same thing it's the same thing now when we get to this portion I want to say that there will always be those who oppose the truth and it seems as if today now more than ever the truth is being opposed isn't it I just think the issue is we are—it's uh, just more available to us through social media, so we are just more aware of it. But here we are in first century. Um, Christ lived in opposition. The apostles lived in opposition, and here John writes again in opposition—opposition opposition about what? Christ. Opposition about the truth. Opposition about the church. So don't think 2,000 years later, it's gotten worse. It's always been bad. It's always been bad. Yes, I think throughout history, there were times that were more harsh than others. We look at the uh, Reformation. We watch the Luther documentary on Friday. In the 1500s, it's, it's as if for them, it was the worst time to be alive because of the opposition to the truth. And here we are, 2021, believe it or not, it's 2021. So when you say 20 years ago, it's not 1980. It's 2000. Anyway, it's 2021. And guess what? the world still opposes Christ, in various forms. Some would argue and say, no, 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 there is a movement to be accepting of Christ. That even in some circles, Islam is accepting Christ, and and it's called Chrislam. Listen, my dear friends, if we do not accept Christ as revealed in the scriptures, then we haven't accepted Christ. Perhaps an idea, an ideology. We spoke about it yesterday at our men's breakfast. We have created our own Christs so that we could push the the limits on temptation. So that we could live in a certain lifestyle of comfort in the face of sin, in the face of, of whatever it might be. We have created these Christs. And when we put these Christs before the true and living Messiah, it's horrifying because they do not look anything alike. And so John this morning tells us, be on guard, be aware, look out for the anti-Christs. The ones who are in opposition to Christ. My dear friends, they won't always look and see Him as if they are against Christ. But by changing His word, by changing His identity, it means we are against Him. We are anti-Him. Now let me read for us, and I want you to follow along as we get into this morning's outline. Rather easy outline to stick to. But John says from verse 18, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out. That it might become plain that they were that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. He who is he who the liar, but apologies. Who is the liar? He who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. Friends, coming to this large section for us, John tells us to insist, or yes, to insist in the resistance of error and to cling to the truth. You see, our protection against being deceived is as follows. John says, Remember the truth that you heard from the beginning you go to the bank and you want to work as a bank teller I've used this illustration numerous times but they don't teach you to look for the similarities between counterfeit notes and the genuine thing they teach you to identify, feel, smell be able to know the real thing so that once a note passes through your hand that doesn't feel like it smell like it look like it then it's not real get rid of it because the argument is if we had to spend all our time and all our energy on trying to identify that which is false that which is a lie then where is the time and where is the energy when we are supposed to be studying what's true? Therefore, he says, abide in Him. Abide in the truth. It means to remain in the truth. It means to live in the truth. Secondly, John tells us that we have to recognize the deceivers for who they are recognize the deceivers for who they are and thirdly we are to remember that we have an anointing from the Holy One a lot of people would argue and say well because I have this anointing I don't need to spend time in God's Word because I have this anointing I can be a lone ranger and I do not need to be part of the Christian Church I'll deal with that in a moment But for the sake of our outline, we have three R's. So it's very easy to remember the R. If you can't R, then you've got l, But you won't forget it, alright? Remember the truth. From verse 18 to 21. You see, John starts by identifying where we are. He says, it is the last hour. I know the Puritans struggled with this as well. See, many believed that when the Pope came, he was the Antichrist. And so they would work against the Pope, preach against the Pope because he is the Antichrist. Yes, he is a Antichrist. Later on throughout history, various characters were identified as Antichrists issue is, they were Antichrist. They weren't the Antichrist. Some of us are looking for the Antichrist. Waiting for the Antichrist. Can I tell you something? You'll just be disappointed. See, I'm not waiting for Antichrist. I'm waiting for Christ. I'm waiting for His appearance and, and collecting the saints. And that's what John is pointing us to. Abide in the truth. Let's not get caught up by where the comma should go in the sentence. Let's not get caught up by when, who, how the deceivers will come. John says, abide in the truth. Remain in the truth. Everything else will fall into place. So knowing that we are in this last hour... Many, sadly, like the church in Thessalonica, were just waiting. And Paul rebuked them. Paul said to them, what are you doing? Oh, but Christ has come. There's nothing left for us. No, He hasn't. He is yet to come. But even if He had come, does that mean we could just be as it may? No, my dear friends. Remain in the truth. Therefore, we know we're in this last hour because many antichrists have arisen. And John says this is the very thing that their church was struggling with. He says, When these people come, you know that it's the last hour. Yet they have come, they have already entered the church. They have already deceived the church. My dear friends, it's a sad reality that as we are gathered here this morning, we are gathered here for the truth, for the sake of unity, for the sake of obedience. And for many of us, it might even be a sacrifice being gathered here this morning. But as we are gathered, there are true saints, sadly, held in captivity... Gathering under a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. We tend to think, but he's a preacher. He must be the man of God. No, the sheep are being led astray. In our town, in our province, in our country, on our continent, and throughout the world, many antichrists have arisen. And this is the duty of the Antichrist is to what? Bring deception. Distort the truth. They are everywhere. I fear when I say this, but they may even be here. They may be in your home. They are definitely in your workplace. Isn't it? Antichrists. Friends, there are many around us. To walk with us, but they are anti Christ, they are not born of God's spirit. They might say the right things, you know, Christian names sound like believers, but their hearts are far from the truth. Their spirits are dead, says Paul in Ephesians 2. They have never been born again, and so we live in this devastation. That, that once certain people leave our gathering once certain people leave our assembly and forsake the faith we're heartbroken and we and we question salvation as a whole because so and so they served they were committed they gave they sacrificed how on earth? And if so-and-so can fall away, what about me? I'm not half as committed. That's the danger. What, What should not be challenged is the doctrine of salvation. But how we possibly could have been deceived. Therefore, John says, they leave because they're not part of us. They were never really part of us. They might Have looked the part. Played the part. We bought into them. Playing the part. But they were never for Christ. John says. They leave because they are not part of us. I want to say this. Don't think that church membership. Will give you any guarantee. That a man belongs to Christ. Don't think that church membership is a license that you belong to Christ. Scripture says every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. If we do not confess Christ, we are not from God those who are genuinely born and friends this is why scripture says those who persevere to the end because scripture says those who are truly born again endure in the faith endure in fellowship and endure in the truth amen it's an ongoing battle at times it feels like we are wrestling and losing Times it feels as if we are so in victory that we don't need to make an effort. Still, the departure of people from the truth and from the church is really the unmasking. A lot of us sit here with our masks. We go to town, we have our masks. The moment you get in your car, it's the unmasking. The moment we get in our homes. It's the unmasking. John says those who leave the faith unmask. They reveal their true identity. That they were never of us. They were never of the truth. Therefore John says, We have an anointing. Verse 20. For you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge, he says. You are aware. John's referring to the gospel truth. This is what John has been stressing since chapter 1, verse 1. You have heard the truth in that you have heard the gospel. The gospel is the truth. The gospel is the sufficient truth. We don't need more than the gospel to come to Christ. I can make the argument and say when we have more than the gospel, are we coming to Christ? Because the gospel presentation is the truth of who we are and who Christ is and how we can be saved in Him alone. That's it. It's enough. The gospel tells us that that Jesus is the God-man. That He is 100% man, 100% God. That He is the only sufficient sacrifice for the sins of man. Do you need more than that? John says, the truth is sufficient. Furthermore, this anointing, this... The spirit that we have been given. John says this. In his gospel. John 16, 13. Says that Jesus sent him to abide in believers and teach them to lead us. These are his words. But when he, the spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. Paul. Is that it? He will guide you into all truth for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will disclose to you what is to come. That's the anointing. That's the Holy Spirit that we have been given, the Spirit of truth who declares the truth to our hearts. So when there's doubt, the Holy Spirit ministers to us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. Is that not what the Spirit of God did for Christ? It's 100%. What happened? You see, Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this it's it's talking about Jesus being anointed by the Holy Spirit. 1 John 13 tells us that, that God has given us His Spirit. So that when we refer to this anointing, it refers to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit into our hearts when we are born again. Romans 5. So when we go back to the the phrase in verse 20, I suggest we rephrase it just for a literal interpretation. You have the Holy Spirit from God in you and so you know the truth. You have the Spirit, so you know the truth. Listen, if we want to combat the Antichrist, if we want to combat doubt, this is what John says, remember the truth. And really it's not difficult because you have the truth dwelling within you. The Holy Spirit who has awakened our hearts is constantly reminding us of the truth. When we are faced with temptation and all of a sudden our hearts and our minds are wrestling against the flesh. Do you think that's good moral? I believe it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Reminding us of the truth. Revealing to us once again what is the truth. It's sad that we suppress it when that happens. Nonetheless, I want to continue... You know, the greatest Christian defense is simply to know the truth. That's the greatest Christian defense. Yes, Scripture tells us that we need to be able to give an account of what we believe. But does Scripture command us to convince The fool who in his heart does not believe. My dear friends, the the commands are for us to be aware, for us to be sure, for us to abide in the truth. That is what brings us comfort. That's what as a church should give us peace in a world where soon, I believe, our open gatherings will be limited. Our hopes, perhaps monitored. What do we do with the truth? Will we suppress it or cling to, hold on to and proclaim this truth? John says this is our weapon. John says we don't need a new truth but we have the truth. We already know the truth. Here's the thing the deceivers who had gone out from the church were denying the true nature of Christ. Remember, we we spoke about this very early on in this epistle. There was one camp that said Jesus was possessed by the Spirit Christ, another camp that said, no, no, he was just human. John says, No, no, we know that Christ is both man and God in that we were there, we heard him, we saw him, we beheld him. Heck, John, as this, the author, saw the transfiguration. He saw the glory of Christ being revealed. You're not going to convince this guy any different. You know what he tells believers? Who haven't seen Christ. Abide in the truth. He doesn't say. You should have been there. You should have witnessed his glory. You should have witnessed the resurrection. John says. Remember the truth. There goes the glorious lights. And the smoke machines. And the. Oh, moment. He says, remember the truth. It's as simple as that. That is your greatest comfort is to abide in this truth which you already have. You don't need to go out and find it. It was given to you in the beginning. He uses those words. What was in the beginning? He preached the gospel. And they responded in salvation. He says, you know what? That truth is what you need to remain in. Is what you need to abide in. Because that alone is sufficient for you. Listen. Jesus Christ Himself was anointed by this Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, who is God, spoke the truth. But Jesus also said that He doesn't speak of His own accord. But... Of the Father. Of the Father. Here's the issue the Antichrists and the Antichrist will speak as if it's their authority, it is their truth. The Apostles spoke knowing it is God's truth. This is God's Word, and the call is remain in this that's how we overcome the deceiver in 2nd Corinthians 6 verse 14 to 16 Paul says for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness what accord has Christ with Bilal or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever what agreement has the temple of God with idols they have nothing in common They are in complete opposition. Therefore, not only should we we be mindful of the truth, Scripture says that we need to be intolerant of any idea that denies the truth. Wow! That's the zeal. That's the zeal. That's how serious this truth is. You see, if we as a church leave the door open and invite everyone to bring their truth, what are we left with? Chaos. Chaos. My dear friends, God is a God of order, therefore He calls us to His truth. I want to continue by saying this. In his second letter 2nd John uh, verse 9 through 11 he wrote this he said everyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God don't abide in the teaching you don't live in this truth you do not have God whoever abides in the teaching has both the father and the son So, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not, he says, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Here's the context, because now all of a sudden we might hate those around us. Here's the context. There were many traveling bringing whatever gospel they wanted to bring now if your neighbor sees you inviting Jehovah's Witnesses into your house what is the idea it's giving those who live around you oh must be a Jehovah's Witness then because you follow you're fellowshipping together you're greeting each other on the streets and it's not just an invitation into the home remember if you hosted someone They came for a meal, they stayed the night, maybe two, maybe three, and then they would be on their way. So if you would allow a deceiver into your presence for such an extended period of time, obviously it means there must be some form of agreement between the two. So John says, in their day, don't even greet such a person. Because listen, by by associating with the truth, we are bound to see that every other view is not equally valid. I'm sorry, I just said that. Not sorry that I said it, but I'm sorry that it's said. That's the truth. It's not equally valid. We cannot take Islam and put it next to the gospel of Christ and say, but it's both true. Is it? Because scripture doesn't teach universalism. Scripture says that there is one way and that is through Christ and Christ alone. So if you deny Christ, you deny the truth. Jesus in his own words, John 14 said, I am the what? the truth and the light. so if he is the truth anything that doesn't look, sound or appear like him is not the truth it's not the way of salvation it brings us to the second point so firstly we're urged to remember the truth To remain in the truth. Secondly, we need to recognize the deceivers. We need to be able to recognize the deceivers. From verse 22, John says the following. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. the question is, how should we identify the Antichrist? How do we know when we've run into the Antichrist? Some would say Donald Trump was the Antichrist. Um, still others would stress it's someone else, Biden. Listen, this has to go on YouTube, just at least for a couple of days. Listen, it is anybody who denies that Jesus is the Messiah. It is anyone who denies that Jesus is the Messiah. See, bound up in the word of Christ, or bound up in the word Christ, is this, He is the anointed of God. He is, perhaps we could say, the anointed prophet, the anointed priest, the anointed King, the anointed Lord. That is who Christ is. And any denial of Jesus as Lord and Redeemer or as Lord and Savior constitutes an anti-Christ attitude. I really find it so difficult that I have peers from seminary that, that cannot fathom or grasp lordship salvation. That Jesus doesn't have to be Lord only Savior. If he is not Lord, he is not Savior. He's not either or. If he does not rule your heart, then he doesn't save it either. John says this is the truth. And so that's why the deceivers have left. They left because they left the truth of Christ. They didn't believe the teaching because they denied the incarnation and the deity of Christ. And here's the problem. If you deny the Son, you deny the Father. Say it again. Because there's many religions They'd say, yeah, yeah, no, we believe in God the Father. Sure. And then they deny Christ. If you deny the Son, you deny the Father. But if you have the Son, you have the Father also, John says. It's a package deal. Verse 22, verse 23. No one who denies the Son can have the Father. But he who confesses the Son has the Father as well. So to reduce the status of Jesus as just a man or as just a prophet is to deny His divine power. Therefore, John gives us a way to identify these false believers. So there's three marks just in this presentation of Antichrists. Number one, they depart from the fellowship. They leave. It's not for me. Number two, they deny Jesus as the Messiah. That He is not the Christ. He is not the Savior. And number three, they also draw away the faithful. There is an activity... To lure us away from the truth. It's not just I oppose you, it's I oppose you and come with me. Leave this, it's nonsense, it's not true. Come with me, let me show you the truth. Therefore, John encourages us as believers to be on guard, to protect ourselves from these or the spirit of the Antichrist. By what? By depending on the indwelling Spirit. Because, friends, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we know the truth. And we remain in fellowship with Christ. It's a beautiful doctrine. I love it. So comforting. Now, How do we do that? I'm assuming that's what you asked, right? How do we do that? John says, abide in the Word. Again, abide means to remain to live to dwell dwell on the word live in the word In verse 24 John challenges the believer to remain in the teaching of Christ He says this is the truth you received in the beginning. That's how you overcome That's how you reject simply remain in the truth Because if we abide in the truth, we abide in Christ. And if we abide in Christ, we abide in the Father. And there's no additional thing that we need, okay? Nothing extra. No, no, you need this as well. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But Jesus plus something extra equals heresy. Jesus plus something is the work of the Antichrist. Listen, what did Jesus say when He he invites us? Does He say, go and fix yourself? Does He say, go and wash your face? Or does He say, come to Me all who are weary and heavy laden? Is that the invitation? Dear friends, it is. And therefore, we are invited to the sweet fellowship. And in this sweet fellowship, we can recognize those who deceive. Those who are in opposition. Those who are against. Because all we need is Christ. Because with Christ comes the Father. And the Father it is who gives the eternal gift of life brings us to our final R, and that's to remain in christ to remain in christ to remain in this gift we have been given by the father from verse 26 He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Do you see the pattern? Every section is also mentioning the negative as well as the positive. He reminds us that there is this ongoing battle. Verse 27. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just that as it has taught you, abide in Him. Abide in Him. Remain in Him. In Matthew 24, verse um, 4 and 5, Jesus' words say the following, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in My name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many, Get that. Many will come in my name. And guess what? They will mislead you. This tells us that the object or the objective of the deceiver is to mislead God's children. It's to bring doubt. It is to cause chaos. If we expound on verse 27, it could go like this. The Holy Spirit, which you received from God, abides in you. And so you have no need that anyone should teach you that is you don't need these progressive prophets who claim to add new information about Christ but only that which you heard from the beginning I think John it was John Owen who said it If someone brings extra revelation then we ought to ignore it. And if someone brings revelation in connection to the Word of God, then it doesn't matter because it's the Word of God. I paraphrase. That was terrible. I love the actual quote. But that's the idea. Knowing the truth about Christ is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Yet the Antichrist will claim, as the previous did, that they have direct revelations from the Spirit. Have you ever opened the Book of Mormon? Another revelation of Jesus Christ. Another. Oh, okay.
1: problem is it's it's
0: in contradiction to Christ's word. So is it then revelation from Christ? No. No. We abide in the truth that Christ has revealed to us. We don't need another insight. Be careful when someone says to you, The Lord told me. The Lord told me. Sometimes people will even use a verse of scripture, I can guarantee you it's always out of context to try and get you to agree or go with their motion. The Holy Spirit always leads us to the Word and to a deeper understanding of Christ. See, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us is pointing us constantly to God's truth. Is drawing us constantly to his word, is conforming us so that we will be in the image and likeness of Christ. Now, if another revelation, if another truth, if another prophet isn't helping us be aware of these things, then John says they're not of God, they are antichrist. So how does the anointing of the Holy Spirit enable us to know the truth? How does that happen? Is it mystical? Because that's what the Gnostics would say in a certain sense. It just happens. You Just meditate and there's the knowledge. There's the insight. In today's portion, John has stressed twice that the truth should remain in us And it's the truth that we have heard from the beginning. He's explicit. He is clear. He doesn't have to expound on what the truth looks like because they have heard the truth. You have heard the truth. If you haven't heard the gospel, please, I invite you, stay behind and come and hear this truth. But I assume the majority of us in this room have heard the gospel. Therefore, that's why we are here. Because we are here, we are abiding in the truth or at least pursuing to abide in the truth. And so John is not saying that the anointing of the Spirit enables us to know the truth by giving us information beyond Scripture. Instead, John is telling us that we have enough revelation in the presentation of the gospel alone. Remember verse 7, chapter 2, verse 7. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. Hasn't changed. It hasn't been modified. It's the same. Let me jump the gun. 1 John 4, verse 2. It says this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. So the Holy Spirit is not to take us beyond the teaching of the Scriptures, but to help us accept and abide in the teaching of God's Word. I heard something ridiculous this week. It was just awful. A certain revelation about how Christ took on the sins of the world. It blew my mind, but I must say. The presentation was this, that that Christ, at His baptism, took on the sins of the world. It was there, and so for three years, He was walking around with our sin. And because He had our sin that's how he could be tempted that's not what scripture says that's not the truth about God's Word what God's Word does tell us is yes Christ became sin for us but when did that transaction take place on the cross On the cross, how do we know it took place on the cross? Come on, theologians! My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wait a minute. Why, why did the Father turn his back on the Son? Because the Father cannot look upon sin. And if Christ walked in sin for three years, then He could not have fellowship with the Father. You see, friends, deception. Now, sadly, some are deceived by chance or by mistake. They aren't aware of it. Others purposefully want to deceive you. That's why John says, remain in the truth. Because no matter who it is, you remain in the truth. The work of the Holy Spirit is to help us grow in our understanding of God's Word. He strengthens us to practice God's Word. He increases our confidence in the truth of His Word. And guess what? The Holy Spirit does not change the Word, He doesn't. He agrees with the Word. Therefore, verse 27 stresses, As His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it was taught to you, abide in Him. As He teaches you, abide in Him. Remain in Him. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And he goes on to say, As you sing psalms, as you sing hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness to your hearts, to God. In Ephesians 5, verse 18 and 19, Paul says, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Always and for everything, giving thanks. That's what it looks like to remain in Christ. To be in conjunction with His Word. To be in obedience with His Word. To pursue His Word. I'm not saying it's wrong to read up on other religions. Because in a sense, it's great if we are equipped and we want to show someone how they are being deceived and pointing them to the gospel. Um, A dear brother in the Lord, I don't know him that very well, but I know Evan's dad and and they get along pretty well. His name's James White and he's an apologist. So he goes and debates with whomever about the scriptures. But he shared once, the whole point because we, we watch it and we go wow he's so great he's so you know so clever but he told us the one time his objective isn't to prove that he's right his objective is to show them they are wrong they are wrong And once they doubt their own belief, He brings them to the gospel. Which means half the time, what He has prepared for the debate, He just doesn't end up finishing. Because He wants to see folks come to the Lord. Come to salvation. So friends, is it about us being right? Or about us being in Christ about us dwelling in fellowship, right fellowship with the Lord. Listen, I want to stress, as John has stressed this morning, guard yourselves from the deceiver and from the Antichrist. Love the Word. And by loving the Word, I stress that you live in the Word, that you pray the Word. Because if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and you will abide in the Father. And this is what He has promised us. Eternal life. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank You for this Word, this rather lengthy portion um, in this letter. I'm thankful that we could stress and deal with what is necessary. And that is to be more and more aware of Your Word more and more aware of your love and your sacrifice and salvation. I pray that we won't grow in pride because we have the truth. Instead, it's a grace for us to have experienced the gift of of eternal life. It's a grace for us to have understood the truth and be able to respond to this truth. I pray that we would be convicted to... Help our brothers and sisters who are deceived. I pray that you would also convict us to have the courage to oppose those who deceive us and our beloved. And in whatever case, I pray that your spirit would help us to walk in your love. Lord, we thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen.